Secret Society. Hey, what's up everybody? Bradley Allen here again with another episode of Secret Society. We had to take a week off here from Memorial Day, but we're back with episode 14. Angela Michael, Assistant Director of Michigan State Rec Sports, and wow, we had a fantastic conversation. Definitely going to have her back on the show. What she does is she oversees all the club sports at MSU and has been working here since 2006, I believe, and actually went to school here, got her master's here also. We talked for a long time about club sports, sort of what she does. Any of you guys who are wondering why you have to pay 80 bucks a semester to be able to use the workout facilities are interested in rec sports at all, we talked about that. It wasn't just club sports. We talked about pretty much everything, and I got to know her quite a bit, so... I really hope you enjoy this episode of Secret Society, and I'm Bradley Allen for Impact Sports, and here it is, episode 14. This is episode 14 of Secret Society, and I'm really excited we took a couple weeks off, but now we are back, and there would be no Secret Society without this woman who is our guest in the studio today. Uh, She is the Assistant Director of Michigan State University Rec Sports. Angela Michael, thank you for coming in the studio today. Thank you so much for having me. I just want to get an introduction from you and talk about what you do here. I know you work with all the facilities, I am West, I am Circle. You oversee all the club sports. Tell us what you do here. I will. There are several assistant directors. I My job is split into three parts. So I am the club sports director, which is really fun. I get to work with 28 club sports. I am in charge of a self-defense program, which is a free two-hour workshop that we bring into the residence halls. Any student that asks for the program, we will do it. It's for men and women, so I always recommend anyone that I know that's coming to MSU, students, it's a great program. And I'm also the facility manager at IM Circle. But because I work with club sports and they're kind of spread out all over our department, I work very closely with my colleagues who rent out space and and are in charge of space in other parts of campus, from fields to IM West. Demonstration Hall is a building that we have clubs who practice in. Now, 28 club sports here, and there are some others that I've probably spoken with on this show that aren't official club sports. Have you worked with them as well? Of the 28, the first thing I want to ask is, can you list all 28 club sports without looking at them? Or have you interacted with any of these other student organizations that want to become a club sport? I'm so excited you asked me that. Yes. Okay, so I started here in 2006. There were 48 club sports. And in a couple of years, I had 52 club sports. And I love saying yes. That's what I love about my job is that I'm in a position where I get to say, yes, of course, let's try this, let's do this. But I wasn't able to say no to all these groups. So the breakdance club came up to me and said, we do breakdance. And I said, that is so cool. Let's have it as a club sport. And I realized there are, you know, there are over 600 registered student organizations. There are so many groups that are active and that there's a Quidditch club that has met with me year after year. Hey, we want to be a club sport. And we got a new director in 2010. And I said, I need help. I don't know how to say no. I don't like, I'm going to have 300 club sports and it's only a third of my job. And what I did is I spent most of my time running around paper shuffling. Did you turn in your waivers? Did you turn in your rosters? Who are your officers? I spent all of my time trying to get information. And it was really hard because so many groups didn't, they didn't need anything from me. Why are you bothering me? Why do we have to turn this in? Ice hockey, really competitive. National championship ice hockey team here. We have men's division two, II, division three that were both club sports. But they didn't need me for anything. They book their practice space through Suburban Ice or Mun on their own. They set up their schedule on their own. They, 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 really, they literally needed nothing from me. So we sat down and made a criteria. Like you have, to be, you have to be a registered student organization with student life before you can be a club sport. You have to have regular practices. You have to have a national governing organization. You have to, be, you have to travel and compete. And there are still so many groups that meet that criteria, but the clincher was, you have to use our facilities. That was kind of my, okay, that's the only leverage that I have 
over the 28 existing clubs and the 250 other groups that could be considered clubs. And sadly, our department, we just don't have enough space. We are, our facilities were built, well, we're going to celebrate 100 years of I Am Circle in 2016. Oh. It was built in 1916. It's a beautiful, have you ever been there? Yeah. It's yeah. so lovely. It's got the dark wood and it's brick and it's the best place to be if there's a tornado. That's what I tell everybody. <laughs> Go to the basement. You'll be fine. But it's old and it's not, and I am West. We celebrated 50 years, several years ago. So they were built when our campus was much smaller and now we have, we've almost doubled in size and we, we just don't have the space. So there are a lot of groups like Quidditch. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan, by the way. And I'm reading it to my third grader, and she's now a huge Harry Potter fan, and we love Harry Potter. I think the Quidditch Club is so cool, but I don't have space for them. It was just one of those groups, I, you know, it was hard to help. This year was the first year I was able to provide, because I don't know if you've ever been to the Student Life website, but if you go to the Student Life website and you look up men's soccer, let's say you, you want to play soccer, mm -hmm. so you look up soccer club, it will pop up under the letter M. And you can't actually search it. You just have to scroll through. Like you go to, they give this A to Z listing and you click on S and you will not find soccer. You have to know to go to the letter M for men's, which is very confusing. So I reached out to all the former clubs and all the other teams that I know exist. There's a wrestling club that started up, not affiliated with our department, but I got their contact information and we made a separate link on our website to make it easy for students because I want to encourage people to be active while they're on our campus. That's the goal. We want you to find something that you like. I, I joke with people. I live and breathe rec sports because I really believe the important thing is that you, you find joy in movement. And if you move and you have fun and you're going to live a healthier life, which will make you happier, which will probably extend your life and You'll probably have more wealth by the end of it. You can give back to MSU. All these things make great sense in my mind. Yeah, and you get the camaraderie of being a part of a team, which is a big theme of this show. Is This is where a lot of these kids meet their friends, and it's their social group, and they get to compete and play sports at a competitive or not-so-competitive, maybe just more fun level. Now, you talk about there's 28 club sports now. that they're At, their, at one point, there was 52 uh, just growing and growing and growing and you kind of had to be like, okay, there needs to be certain criteria. And you talk about Quidditch. We've had Quidditch on the show a couple times mm -hmm. and they have a, the govern, most of these clubs have a governing body like Quidditch has the IQA, International Quidditch, Quidditch Association, and they compete in all these levels. And what I'm wondering is what is the incentive for some of these clubs because the first thing I wanted to ask, and I'm hesitant to ask now because you are already overwhelmed as is, <laughs> how do people inquire about becoming an official club sport? And now I'm wondering what is the benefit of that other than getting priority on facilities and booking fields and courts and things like that for practicing? It's a legitimate question people ask me every year, and generally I get an email. And I've just learned that I'm going to spend three hours replying to your email or just call me. So I usually reply to that request with, uh, you know, please call me. I want to talk to you. And I have that same conversation with students to explain to them. The real incentive to being a club sport is that you get a little bit of supervision from me. So I assist the officers in making sure that they know what resources are available to them on our campus. But every student organization requires an advisor, and it can't be me. So I'm not the advisor. All these club sports plus all the student organizations, they all have faculty staff advisors who really can play the same role. It would be ideal if every advisor took a really active role in the group that they're sponsoring. They don't all. So so that's an, an advantage. But really, there are not that many. It requires that you turn in a lot more paperwork. So if you are just serving as a registered student organization, figure skating is another group that's not a club sport anymore, but they are really good. Generally, if someone wants to be on the figure skating team here, they have previous figure skating experience. It's something that they've done they, growing up, and so they know the proper channels to go through to find them. I think recruitment is something that a lot of people have believed would be beneficial to be a club sport. They can recruit. And I've made that easier for those teams by including 
any group that wants to be included, if you're a movement type student organization, I'm happy to put your contact information on our website to make it a little bit easier for people to find you. Um, there are not a lot of incentives. A lot of you, and I have to, now I have to go into something else, which I think is important for people to understand. You probably have friends that go to other universities and they get to go into the fitness center and it doesn't cost them anything, right? Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought to yourself, what's up with that? All the time. Why does Michigan State? Let me explain <laughs> that to you and everyone out there listening because I think it's important. MSU, in those universities where every single student can walk into the facility, it's because they have all paid a fee. Every single student that goes to that university paid a fee towards their rec center costs. At MSU, we do not do that. Now, I don't think that's good or bad depending on your point of view. We're not supposed to be raising tuition and that that would increase tuition. If we had every single student pay $80 for uh, or $50 or whatever the fee may be, it, it, it would go, you know, it counts towards an increase in their tuition. So on the priorities list, that just hasn't been one. I think that um, it's not something that administration here wants to do. But that is the fundamental reason that we have to charge individual students. We do not get this large sum from everyone. We are so crowded in our facilities, we don't even have a guest fee. I'm a facility manager, and I already said, I like saying yes. I wish so badly that when there's a group of 15 guys that want to come play basketball in the gyms and I am circle, I can just tell them, oh yeah, it's eight bucks a piece or $15 for a one day pass. Go ahead. You can come in. We do not do that. You cannot even bring your sibling in with you. We have a zero guest policy because our facilities are overwhelmed. They're totally full and we it, it wouldn't be fair to our existing students to extend our services to other people. So... Um, I think I just kind of went in a big circle. <laughs> yeah, but I, I I think that's interesting too because I've heard that from some of my peers and and I've gone to IM West and worked out and I pay the three dollar fee and I'm like you know maybe I should get a, a semester pass or or whatever and sometimes I'm I feel a little self righteous and think you know I deserve like all this stuff you know college <laughs> is so expensive but if everybody if if they did give us all passes, it would be like fifteen thousand people not using them, or worst case scenario, fifteen thousand people in line and they can't fit. And the people who are there, who have been there the whole time, are like now everybody can just come in. And I've heard that uh, from some of my friends at Central Michigan University or these schools where you everybody's in. It's so crowded; it's right. not even worth it to go there, type of thing. And the facilities here at Michigan State are pretty state-of-the-art right you get to ride the treadmill while you're you know looking at a tv there's a tv for every treadmill and that's what the 80 dollars a semester goes to stuff like that right and if we so yeah i mean yes correct (laughs) so if anybody else is thinking of complaining about this think about it first plus you'll end up buying the 80 dollars semester pass and you'll go three times and then give up like i do or go (laughs) You know, the rush before spring break or whatever where everybody's down there trying to get in shape before they go to the beach and stuff like that. That happens everywhere, too. Fitness clubs around the world. Mm. New Year's Eve, like January, it's really busy. Right. <laughs> Bringing it back to club sports real quick, you talked about each each official club sport at least has a faculty advisor. And I wonder, because I've, I've met with several different clubs here, um, Coaches. Some of them do have coaches. Some of them do not. Uh, and I'm wondering what the relationships like. The coach is it the faculty advisor. Oftentimes, the coach. There's two coaches that I know, and I'll I'll talk about them here. Scott Dane, who's a friend of mine, who's the men's club soccer coach. And I had the MSU pom pom team on the show. A couple of their team members, and they talked a lot, so much about their head coach, Linda Conradi, mm-hmm. who I guess works in the same building as me. So <laughs> give a shout out to her. I walked right by her office, and I was like, are you the Pond Pond coach? And um, so she obviously works for the university, and what I would guess would be the faculty advisor for Pond Pond, correct? Correct. Can you talk a little bit more about how that selection is made and what the coaches, uh, the players on the club sports or the club sports members choose the coach? And what's that uh, position like? Absolutely. It's really tricky. 
a coach for a club team because unlike anything you've ever heard of in high school, growing up, it was your super your your coach is the boss. They're in charge. They tell you what to do. And if you don't like it, you're off the team. In club sports, the students are the boss. So you supervise, you tell the coach, you hire the coaches. A lot of them have their own contracts that they draw up. They select the coaches on their own. They hire them. They let them go when they don't think they're doing a good job. And they're 18 to 22-year-olds generally. So when I sit down, I try to have meetings with club officers every year so I can get a, you know get to know them a little bit better. And one of the things I tell them is, if you plan on letting your coach go, please let me know in advance because I want to give you some advice. There have been so many bad experiences. They've never done anything like this. One group sat down with their coach in a like a coffee area with, with crowded with people and the four of them let this person go and it was devastating because the coach had no idea and I knew the coach and you know like it can so being a coach of a club team is mm-hmm. definitely different and 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 finding a coach who can be your advisor like our martial arts clubs the martial arts that are still affiliated with us are the ones that are competitive so we've got Ron Southwick with Taekwondo we have Oh crap! Sorry, I have to distract you because <laughs> I, I, I constantly go to the pad of paper and start jotting down what right. you're talking. And be <laughs> we have Ron Fox with Kendo. We have Tom Sheehan who teaches a one-credit judo class. Mm-hmm. He's the advisor for the judo club, and they're they're all competitive. Those are people that work on campus, but a lot of teams do not find their um, they don't have their coaches. They don't there aren't people on our campus that either have the time to coach or have the skills to coach at the level that they want. So Scott Dane is a great example. He's been the coach of our men's soccer team for years. He's a really good guy. He does a great job. They won nationals a couple yeah. of years ago, which is a big deal. Did you know men's and women's soccer won nationals the same yeah. year at the same time? Yeah. In the same place. That and our varsity really... soccer teams have been very good. It's like Michigan State is the soccer school they That's go to. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. Well, and intramural soccer is gigantic. Mm-hmm. We generally don't have enough field space for all the teams that want to play. So we started Sparty Ball this past spring at I Am Circle, by the way. Sparty Ball is kind of like, uh, it's futsal, so indoor soccer, to make a little more room for all the soccer players, give them a few more opportunities to play. But you're right, soccer's big on our campus, which is pretty cool. So going back to the whole coach advisor, um, did, did I? Yeah, you, you started to talk about Scott a little bit and how he, I've, I've talked to him a little bit on how he got his job. I guess some people approached him, but he's not affiliated with the university at all outside of being the coach of the club soccer team. Mm-hmm. Whereas Linda Conradi, on the other hand, works for the university, has a has a full-time position. So what's the difference in having that, the soccer have, then have a different faculty advisor? That's exactly how that works. So the teams that have, actually a lot of teams have advisors who have, who have been their advisor for 20 years, some teams, and they have dif- they've had different coaches over the years. Mm-hmm. So the advisor is someone that should bring some consistency to your program. They know what things used to be like. They know what struggles the team has worked through if you can keep an advisor that long. I've been here since 06, so I have the history on clubs from that point. But there are teams that have been here 50 years. And and if you if a lot of those teams do have, they've had the same advisor for a long time, which really helps. Our crew club had, they have, um, they have a boathouse next to where the varsity rowing team has a boathouse. And... I don't know, 20 years ago maybe, their their boathouse burned to the ground and they did it. They had to get a whole new one built. So their, their advisor retired, but he knew all the history and all the struggles that that club has gone through. It brings a lot to the table when you can keep the same advisor. Students also have the option, if you do not have any graduate students in your sport, in your group, then you can have a graduate student as your advisor. So let's say you graduate and you start a master's program here and your buddy plays soccer and they don't have an advisor anymore. You could step up and do that, which I strongly discourage. And can you guess why? Because uh, they're already too busy as it is. With they're too busy. School. And how long are you going to be around? Yeah, a couple of years maybe. Exactly. So whenever that happens, I tell people, like, if you can find somebody last minute, 
to get you through this year, you still need to spend this year looking for a faculty right. or a staff person who can cover for you because that's the ultimate goal is to have that consistency. That's great. I think I think we're going to have to title this part one, I hope, or maybe have <laughs> you back on the show because you so much information that you have and experience that is very valuable to this show and to club sports in general. And I want to sort of shift the conversa- conversation towards uh, some other stuff that you do, some club sports and the more fun part of the podcast. So before that, we'll take a quick break here. And when we get back, we still have Angela Michael, assistant director, overseer of club sports, and among other things for Michigan State Rec Sports. So stay with us. Secret Society. Society. Okay, we're back. I still have Angela Michael here. We have not stopped talking since we went to break. Uh, I'm really excited to have her on the show. This is great. Uh, I'm learning a lot. We were just kind of, before we jump into some of the more fun questions, we were talking a little bit more about the fee to get into IM West and semester pass, the $3 that they charge, and a little bit more about why that is and some opportunities for... um, people that might not be able to afford it to get in. You were mentioning student loans as, as one of the things to get into the, to be able to buy your pass. So what's another $80 to your student loan? If you're really going to use it, it would be worth it. Exactly. And that was a big deal for our department. We couldn't do that until I think two years ago was the first time we were able to say, because I was one of those really poor college students, I could not have afforded $80 but I could have tacked it onto my student loans and my student debt. Because what's another 80 bucks when you're looking at right. you know, all this debt? Yeah. So, and then it would have allowed me to do that, which is pretty cool. And I, I, I'm really not, not a non-traditional student, but I feel like one. There's a very like, slight age, like I should be done with school. You could say I'm a super senior. I'm 23 years old, and I still have a whole other year to go. I'm about to turn 24, so I'm going to be like pushing 25 when I, when I graduate here. I know, I'm like an old man. <laughs> Compared to all these people. and um, But I never really got, because I transferred in from community college, I never got the experience of living in a dorm, of, you know, having all that that stuff. I have friends that did, so I know what it's like, family members, stuff like that. But as I come into my last year here at Michigan State, I'm like, maybe I should, you know, take add a little bit more to my tab to the federal government and get myself a, a I am West or I am Rec Sports pass and maybe a meal plan or something like that <laughs> so when i'm on campus all day if i want to i can stop by i am west and circle or you know stop by a cafeteria you should totally do that <laughs> i think i'm going to what's another you know a hundred hundred dollars here or there exactly i wanted i want to ask specifically i know this information is available on the website but when you pay that eighty dollars per semester what is it what do you have access to because i've heard different things from different people i know if i want to go into the workout facility and get on a treadmill i have to pay three dollars but i could go upstairs and run laps or in the hallway or whatever or go into one of the gyms and play basketball uh do i have to pay that fee what or go swim in the pool at i am circle i'm so glad that you asked i have so many things to say okay i need to be writing things down so first of all no there is no fee to walk into our buildings and i think a lot of people Never walk into our building because they think that there is. So that's a big misconception. Until 2000, I think it was 2005 that we built on the fitness center. And I have to give you a little bit of history because I was a student in the 90s. And I worked as a building supervisor at IM West. And I used to, the fitness, like the the weight room then was little. (laughs) It was really little. It was a joke. I was buddies with, they had a club weightlifting team, and they'd have a couple of people a night that would come in and lift weights. And most people just didn't bother with the weight room on campus. And in the middle, there was a courtyard in the middle of the building that was set up for someone in a wheelchair. It was overgrown. Nobody ever used it. And when I left, I left campus for about eight years, and I came back in 06, and we had just opened this state-of-the-art fitness center, and we did not get any money from MSU to do this. We had to take out loans on our own as a department so we took out this giant debt. That was when the fee structure started, like started, it was implemented when we opened up this fitness center. And now we have all this overhead. We have to make sure that the, 
machines that we have because we knew when we built it, it was not going to be big enough for our a school our size. We should have a much larger fitness center. So we knew we needed to make sure that the equipment is always working. Patty Emke runs that fitness center and she's great. You don't see out of order signs hardly ever. If you do, it's not going to be up for long. We turn around equipment. We get it fixed quickly. Your fees go to making sure that we can pay off that debt and that we can continue to keep state-of-the-art equipment in there. Before that fitness center was built, we never had that fee structure. You can walk into IM Circle and do anything in that building, and there's no fee, unless you're a student group and you want to rent it, and that's a different story. So people contact me all the time to rent space at IM Circle, and I love saying, yeah, absolutely, if it's available, and then we talk about fees then. Um, going into IM East, there's a running track. There's basketball. It's free. All you need is your valid MSU ID. It's available to students, to faculty, and to staff. They can all come in. You can play volleyball. There are always volleyball nets set up at IM East and IM West. So if the courts are available, you can bring in your friends and you can play volleyball. There are no fees. Going in the fitness center is a different story. And group exercise classes, we incur an expense. We have equipment that we purchase for those classes. We pay instructors for those classes. So you have to pay a fee for that. If you wanted to go swimming at IM Circle, there is no fee. But you can't get in the locker room. This is kind of a side note, but since Mm -hmm. I'm the facility manager, I have to let everybody know this. As of February, we locked the doors. And the only people that can get in the locker rooms are people that have gone to our website you go to rec, www.recsports.msu.edu, click on Facilities, click on I Am Circle, and you will see a link to the right that says ID Registration. You click on that, it takes 30 seconds, you register your ID, and within two business days, your ID will work in our locker rooms. But we had three incidences last year, actually over three, of men going in our women's locker room. And it was not a mistake. One guy, our, we have security cameras, mm. he walked down the stairs backwards so that the video camera would not catch his face. He was up to no good. Now, whether he was there to steal or to assault someone, we don't know and we don't want to find out. So we had a lot of people kind of crying out, what are you going to do to keep us safe? And so we put this system in place. It is It, it all went live right around the time of the Olympics, and someone actually said, well, the locker rooms that I encircle are now more secure than the Sochi Olympics <laughs> are. <laughs> That's funny. I know. But there's no fee as long as you have ID to register, works, you have so to register. my ID will not allow me into the women's locker room. Only the men. If you and, register, right? It. Okay. Exactly. But gotcha. if you want, but we understand. We have, you know, generally six to eight thousand brand new people on our campus every year, mm-hmm. and you could be a senior and never have walked in our building, and you wouldn't know. So as long as you're there after we, we staff the desk starting at noon every day. So if you come in after twelve o'clock, we'll always gladly let you in. Mm-hmm. We'll check your ID, make sure it's you, and then we'll let you in the locker room. But if you're there at 6 in the morning, then there's nobody there to let you in. <laughs> right, yeah. But you that's that's a great piece of information just to know that the pool at IM Circle is free. You can register to get in the locker room and, and all that stuff. Exactly. And the indoor pool at IM West is also free. The varsity swimming and diving team practice there. So it has very, you know, different times that it's not open. The outdoor pool, there is a fee for students, faculty, staff, and Our facilities are not open to the public, but if someone in the community wanted to purchase a pass for the whole summer for the outdoor pool, they can do that. Or if they wanted to purchase a monthly pass for the summer, that's pretty much the only thing that we offer. We also have a sailing center. Did you know that we have a sailing center? I think I knew that we have a sailing club. Yeah, and they practice. Look at that. They have used... So you know what? They have had some years where they don't use the sailing center. They store the boats on their own. And they use the public launch and they practice because they have limited times that they can practice when they use the sailing center. Because if we have classes going on, they can't load in and unload their boats. There's not a lot of parking down there. But you could take a bus to Hazlitt and you can actually get within a couple blocks of the sailing center. It's beautiful. It's right near Lake Lansing. Mm -hmm. We have lots of classes for the public out there as well. Now, I want to ask you about the club sports that you deal with. Do you... Do you deal with certain club sports more than others? Are you like, what's your a day like in your? Well, you know what? I want to backtrack. We can get to that. I want to. I want to find out personally, and I'm sure the listeners do too. How you got to this situation? You went. You got your undergrad here at Michigan State. 
and you lived here. You lived in this building. We're on Holden Hall right now. And I guess in in the nineties when you were in school here, you lived it. You lived here. I did. I was a freshman, ninety three to ninety four, and I was on the diving team at MSU. Okay. So I had the privilege of practicing with John Narcy. He was my coach. He was the coach, the diving coach for years here, and it was an amazing experience. So I worked at I M West. I practiced at I M West. I lived here in Holden Hall, and I loved the food. I, I, I was thinking to, in my head when you said, maybe I'll just get a meal pass. The food just gets better and better, too. I ate and I ate and I ate. So it's one of the main reasons I moved off campus right. my sophomore year because <laughs> I couldn't control myself. I had dessert at breakfast, dessert at lunch, a couple of desserts at dinner. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, so I, I, did, I had a lot of experience in this department even as an undergrad which led to do you want to do you want me to tell you how I ended up in at like with a career? Yeah, like so this? what did you yeah, what did you study when you were at Michigan State in undergrad? I started out as a psychology major like I think so many people do mm-hmm. and you don't really know and I'm a first generation college student. Yeah. So college was sort of this foreign thing to me. I didn't really understand what it all meant. But my sister's brilliant, my older sister, and she went to U of M. She got lots of scholarships. She got this great opportunity. And then I had this amazing opportunity to dive here. So I like to say that I'm a miracle. It was a miracle that I ended up in college and mm-hmm. that I had all these great experiences. It took me five years to get my undergraduate degree, and then I needed another year to be a teacher. I changed my major from psychology to sociology my sophomore year. This is this is true story. I was so amazed by the number of adults that came into I.M. West on their lunch hour and would play racquetball or swim laps. I was fascinated by that. Like I didn't come from a family that lived this healthy lifestyle. It, it just wasn't, it, it wasn't commonplace. And I thought, wow, there are people that, that do this because it's good for them. Mm-hmm. And they make the choice. Every day to work out. I just thought it was fascinating. So in, in my sophomore year, I changed my major to physical education and exercise science, which is now kinesiology. So I ended up getting a drink, degree in kinesiology, and I thought I wanted to be a teacher. And when I was looking at my sixth year and lesson plans, and I don't, I'm not, I don't really know a lot of sports. I'm the girl that wants to play, even if I can't play, rather than sit and watch. It's hard for me to sit and watch a four-hour football game. I've tried to understand the rules, but I thought, oh my gosh, if I'm going to be a teacher, I have to know the rules to all these sports. I have to be able to teach children, and I panicked. And I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do. And one of my supervisors, Juan Tavares, excuse me, Juan Tavares ran the pools. I lifeguarded for one summer while I was a student here. And he was leaving MSU. He's from the Dominican Republic, and he was going back to the Dominican Republic to run this giant health club. He said, on the top of this five-story complex is a pool. You should come and run my pools. And I've always wanted to be fluent in Spanish. And I thought, oh, that would be so cool. I'd live in the Caribbean. So I started an internship at the MAC, which is right down the street. Have you heard of the Michigan Athletic Club? And within a couple weeks of being there, their aquatics director resigned. So I'm in my fifth year. I had five jobs, by the way. I was a diving coach at Grand Lynch High School. I did privates lessons. I was a building supervisor at IM West. I was a, I cleaned houses for someone for extra cash. And Jim Rennick, who has cerebral palsy in my department, I was his aide. So Jim can't speak, but he has a master's degree. He can't talk, but he points to letters on a board and that's mm-hmm. how he communicates. So I was his assistant. And I suddenly went from like, this was going to be my fifth year relaxing sort of, but I had a ton of jobs. I started, I took over the lifeguarding portion. There were like 35 lifeguards. And I didn't know the first thing about scheduling. I was a stress case. I worked 60 hours a week. I was not an organized person, but I learned so much. And that was sort of, when I graduated, they offered me the full-time aquatics director position. And Juan said to me, if they offer you that job, take it. (laughs) Now this is at the MAC? That was at the MAC. So that was my first job right out of college. I was the aquatics director. So I learned, I figured out how to schedule lifeguards and then I, I inherited the group ec- the water exercise, which they offer over 50 water exercise classes a week, and the swim lessons program as well. And then after a few years of that, my boyfriend at the time, who I've known a really long time, and I'm now married to for mm. 11 years, but he took a job in California, and I had spent the first summer that I wasn't diving, I spent in California, and I, I made some really good friends out there. 
So I called up my girlfriend. I'm like, I'm coming to live with you. John got a job. I'm looking for a job. And UCLA was hiring an aquatics person at the time. So I ended up running the pools at UCLA. And they gave me lots of experiences to do different things. So that was my California, six years there. And then we had a baby. And then we thought, living in California is so hard, raising kids, all our families back home. So we moved back in 06. And then this job opened up. It was like, oh, it was just one of those really Mm -hmm. awesome, awesome things. So this position opened up and I applied and I had a lot of experience through my eight years, but I didn't have a master's degree. So, so, So I interviewed, I got the job. It's been a great fit. I love it. I'm so happy to be back at my alma mater. It's been like a Cinderella story. And I did, I was six months pregnant for my second child with a two year old at home and I started my master's. Five years later, I graduated, so I got so I have a kinesiology master's degree from MSU as well. <laughs> so you you that's you got to go out to California. You didn't go to U, UCLA. You ended up back here, right? Which is where you probably you wanted to be all along. Do you think? You know, I never. When I was twenty five, I moved away, and I said I was never moving back because I'm allergic to everything in the state of Michigan. I'm always congested. We, I, you had contacted me a couple of weeks ago. Hey, this Tuesday works. This Tuesday works. I couldn't even talk two weeks ago. Like, I just have, you know, everything's in bloom and it's beautiful and I'm sick. But I learned when I was in California that I become allergic to pretty much anywhere. Right. <laughs> I developed allergies to things out there and was sick all the time. So it has really been a blessing that we moved back. And I have, you know, there are allergy pills you can take. Like, mm-hmm. there are ways of working around allergy season. And wherever you go, there you are. Exactly. So you, your problems will probably go with you. Right. <laughs> so where did you, you're from Michigan originally? Yes. I'm from Bay City. Okay. So not too far from, from where you are. Now you're here at Michigan State, and you appear to love your job. You love what I you do. I do. I love my job. I love coming to work every day. And you... you it seems like you just listening to your story and all the things that you do, like you really didn't do much. You could have done more. Like you only had five jobs. You only were doing all these different things. And now here, here you are. You only have 28 club sports, a self-defense uh, program and <laughs> overseeing all the facilities. No, um, just I am circle. Okay. So Joel Eddy oversees I am West and Denny Mayer oversees I am East. And we have, yeah, so I only deal with I am circle. <laughs> right. So you're slacking a little bit. Right. Clearly. Right. Now, which of these club sports do you have to meet with, and what, like, sort of, what is your role other than getting them, getting them started, making sure that they have place to practice, place to to do that, and and what, basically, what has your experience been with some of these clubs? It's your workload there has gotten lighter, as there's only 28 clubs where they used to be up towards the 50 or 60. What is it like, and who are you interacting with on a daily basis and on the club sports side of what you do? It really depends on the year. So there are some clubs that need me a lot more. They're a bigger operation. There's a lot of stuff that they need. So crew club, they are pretty independent. They have they, they have a full-time coach that they pay for, and he does a lot of the work for them. So, But I know him well, and I work with him a lot. Lacrosse, they use Ralph Young Field for their practices. That is not one of our facilities that belongs to intercollegiate athletics. So I work closely with athletics in scheduling when they have games. We need, there's a lot more that I have to do for a lacrosse game than a soccer game, which happens off campus. So, um, So there are some clubs that always require a little more time. And I have found if you have, what my goal for the clubs is always, it's supposed to be an opportunity to learn and grow. So if you have the courage to be an officer of a club sports team, then take advantage of every opportunity. Learn how to run a small business, really. So I like to meet with every club once, at least once a year. And and once they meet me, I think it becomes easier for them because they find that I'm very approachable. I, I It's interesting, you're... Your generation, you guys like to communicate through email, and I like talking to people. I think that there's something so important about personally connecting with people. I do not force teams to meet with me. So the teams that take me up on it, I get to know those officers a little bit better. I've had some officers that I got to know so well during their tenure that I've written letters of recommendation for them. They've kept in touch with me. We go to lunches when they're in town. 
there are some people that I keep in touch with on Facebook. You cannot be my Facebook friend until you've graduated. But once you've graduated, then we can keep in <laughs> we can keep in touch on Facebook. So, um, so it really depends on the people that are in leadership how much they want to take advantage of my ability to help them, and and it, it just depends year to year. So there are some teams that need me a little bit more, and some in some years. Uh, one thing I was going to say, and then I, I sort of skipped over it, is that I always never have all seniors as your officers really, really stagger, and any student group can benefit from this. You want to always have some consistency from year to year. So you can write it into your constitution. The president must, you know, or the vice president can never be a senior. Can You know, a sophomore or a junior would be eligible, but never a senior. So the vice president can learn the duties of the president, and they're still around the next year. If you can always stagger it. So I have found that clubs that do that really well, they don't really need me. They they run themselves. All I do is I'm, I'm the official nag. All right, <laughs> come on, guys, turn in your waivers, turn in your forms. Did you do a travel form before you left town? I have a, a checklist of about eight eight different things that they have to submit and turn in. So I'm the nag that's always like, did you, did you, why haven't you done this yet? But I'm also busy enough that I tell them we have two mandatory meetings, one in the fall, one in the spring. It's the only time that you have to have somebody from your club present. And if you don't, you get in big trouble. So they, they send somebody to meet with me, and then we go over all of my expectations for the year, and it's all written down in an agenda that I email out to all the officers so they have it in writing. And there's so much information they need to know about licensing. You cannot go to the cheapest place to get your T-shirts or your jerseys printed. You have to use appropriate licensed vendors. I have a good relationship with licensing. They come to our meetings. We work with Mike Price of the Greater Lansing Sports Authority. They are an organization that exists solely to bring sporting events and business into the Lansing community. So if you're a team that's going to bring... You want to host a big event. We have the um, men's volleyball does a hardwood classic every year. 60 teams from around the country travel here and they need hotels. They need, so Mike Price comes to my meetings and he can talk to them about all the different resources that he'll provide. He has connections with other, facil- other sporting venues. So if you needed more spaces than what we have, you can, you know, ship people out to different spots. So those are just some of the things that I try to. <laughs> Trying to help with, make Again. sure they're not breaking rules right. and that they know what they're supposed to do. And I love meeting with officers and I love getting to know them. But there are a lot of officers and so. And a lot yeah. of sports and a lot of other things you're doing. Again, I mean, you could be busier. I think you're slacking a little bit <laughs> with what you're doing. But I, I like to ask, you don't deal with other universities as much as the clubs do because they they compete against other teams and i always like to hear about that and their rivalries and stuff like that so i guess i'll just ask you if you feel comfortable answering is there has there been any bad experience with any clubs i know you probably don't want (laughs) to probably you probably don't want to put any particular club or individual on blast but i'm sure you've had i can generically say that yes it used to be calls every year i feel like just having, because our club sports, we didn't have a designated club sports person for years. It would be the person that missed the staff meeting. All right, well, they're in charge of clubs this year. Literally, <laughs> there was a guy that missed one staff meeting. And they were like, all right, you're in charge of clubs this year. And he was like, really? So he had his full-time job and then clubs. So when we were able to get the funding for a club sports director in 06, I think that I have been able to bring a lot of consistency which was needed. So this doesn't happen nearly as often, but it used to be every year, at least once, you would get a phone call. A team traveled, they had alcohol, there was alcohol involved, they trashed a hotel room. Like, and t- these club teams really, you sh- we have a policy, you cannot drink alcohol when you are representing Michigan State University. I don't care if you're all 21 years old. If you're going to wear Michigan State and you're going to wear your club team name, do not go to the bar. Do not do things that are going to reflect poorly upon the university, myself, the department, your team. Like things that should be common sense, but <laughs> not always so. So I'm pretty good at, like, really, we've done quite well. We're, you need, you need, I need some wood to knock on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so may that continue. All right. But yes, absolutely. Those kinds of things happen. And, and oh, and I have to mention too. The whole, I took a sport law class in my master's and I learned about hazing and I didn't know 
that there are so many things that people do every day that's considered hazing. Let the rookies take care of that. If you single out a group on your team because they because they're a freshman and you make them do something that nobody else wants to do, that could be considered hazing. So I now address hazing with my team and I really try to encourage them. Like you want to do some team building things, volunteer in the community. There's a whole list of organizations that could benefit from teams. And what a great way to get to really know the people on your team. Feed the homeless at the homeless shelter. Work at Ellie's Place, like volunteer. Actually, I don't know if Ellie's Place takes volunteers, but there are all these amazing organizations you can do a fundraiser for. Like our men's lacrosse team, they do one one game every year. That's a fundraiser. One year, they had an assistant coach whose wife was diagnosed with cancer. So they did a big fundraiser, and they they raised thousands of dollars that benefited a clinic. You know, and I... I, I don't know if I'm using they I think they helped purchase a new mam like a mammogram machine or maybe it was a it was a it was a big machine that can help prevent cancer mm-hmm. or detect it. And that was a really cool thing. What a great way for that team to you know build unity. So I yeah. try to encourage that kind of and stuff. And that's something that I found that all the clubs are they do to some respect. They have sort of three aspects to their team. They have their team, the com- the competitive nature of it, the sport itself. They have the club membership, the club aspect, which is their social get-togethers, and they hang out, and they're all friends, and they all, if it's a if it's a uh, co-ed sport, they all date each other, and if it's <laughs> uh, you know not a co-ed sport, they all go out, and you know they do the same things. That it's like Greek life with sports involved. And then the third part would be their service aspect. They do some sort of service. They go. Um, do fundraisers with different restaurants or things like that, or they go at Spartan Day service and they, you know, help clean up, or they, they all seem to have at least the more together, got their stuff together. Club sports are the ones that I talk to have that. Right. Yeah. Really, being organized makes a giant difference in their ability to be successful, to fundraise, to do things right. And if they're not organized, it makes it tough mm-hmm. to do things the correct way. Now. You mentioned some other, like the alcohol thing, which I got a chuckle out of me because I think we both we're both we both know that that happens, and that some of the things a lot of these sports aren't club sports; they're registered student organizations that affiliate themselves with sports. But you see that happen, especially on a college campus. People are drinking and out having a good time. You mentioned at the top of the show, student life website, a way to look to find club sports and. At, recsports.msu.edu is where I went when I first got this position to host the show to see how I can get in contact with sports. You have contact with so many. I've tried to contact them all. Only some of them have gotten back to me, but I plan to, to have them all on the show, hopefully. I think it's great, and I will make sure that I get in touch with all yeah. of them and let them know they need to get back with you. That would be great. This is such a neat opportunity. I'm really happy that you thought to get in touch with our clubs. And it's a privilege to be able to sit down and share about what it is that they do because they all do pretty unique things. And it's it's a cool thing to be able to tell others about. Yeah, and I'm learning so much from you too, like to get a different perspective of it rather than just the students. But I look at some some websites are older, like maybe some students were like active on, on this when they're here and now they're gone. But one way that I keep in touch is via social media. And I go and I look at, oh, they're very active on Twitter. Maybe if I reach out to them here, they'll come on the show. And that's worked before. Uh, you know, Ultimate Frisbee was the first guest. And I that had I had both men's and women's on the show. I've had them on a couple different times. Quidditch, uh, all these other sports. Um, underwater hockey, I reached out to them one day. They were here the next day. They were really excited. And... So that's another theme of the show is I, I come in and I ask about the so- social media and you mentioned the, which I got a chuckle out of that you don't you're not Facebook friends with anybody until they graduate, <laughs> which is fine. Which is the next thing I want to ask is because that's that's what I do before the show. I say if it's going to be um, Pon Pon is coming on the show. I look at their Twitter and I see okay they they do a photo of whoever's birthday it is and they say happy birthday and i will ask them about that or um i think ultimate frisbee had a tweet that was like ihop is better than steak and shake and i was like so where does this come from tell me about that i don't understand um i had <laughs> ski club on the show 
and their Twitter is pretty outrageous. So I ask them like, what's going on here? And, um, <laughs> yeah, I th- you're on Twitter, but I, my follow request is pending probably until after I graduate. I oh assume. no, actually I, okay. That was a social media class that I mm-hmm. took that I barely passed. I had to open a Twitter account. I've never been able to figure out how to get it on my phone. I don't know how to check it from my phone and. I don't. I would. I. I need to get better at that because it would be so cool if I could just, you know, do a shout out. Right. Hey, you know, such and such a team just did such mm-hmm. and such an awesome thing. Blah blah blah. But I. I don't know how. <laughs> I, I. I can figure that out. I'm, I'm sure you can. <laughs> and that I figured like, this is her. I'm Twitter. embarrassed. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's something that I do, and I didn't bring it up because I thought it would be a funny talking point so you have a twitter you're at like angel you got a pretty good handle too you got the first angela michael i think to get on twitter at angela underscore michael got like 13 people following you zero tweets <laughs> and <laughs> you're following a couple different people so you're not you're not active on there right. but you are on there so right. there was literally nothing because usually like i'll go through the individual's twitter account and i'll pull up a tweet from like it's creepy because I kind of stalk them a little bit, but I'm like, so what's up with this? And it's a, it's a usually brings out some kind of funny story. Nice. But you have nothing. I you have got... nothing for me to go after, I... except for that you have a Twitter that you used for a social media class that you never used. Right. That I, I didn't do very well in. Right. <laughs> but MSU Rec Sports is on Twitter. I don't know if you knew that. I did know that. And they, I think it's awesome. Yeah, they have a pretty good following, and they tweet updates about mostly intramural sports i think is what i've seen but Mm -hmm. they're involved and they will talk about uh participation which is a huge huge thing for club sports i think every single podcast i've done participation has been brought up somehow because that's where that's where they find their club sports and uh, things like that right and our rec fest is a big deal Uh we just started doing that two years ago so we've only had two rec fests but i know i think that was big on twitter and Mm -hmm. on our on our facebook page right yeah. Well, maybe before the next time you get on the show, you will compose one tweet at least, <laughs> just, just to say. Oh, that's a lot of pressure. No, no pressure or anything like that. You don't even have to. I won't even be able to see it because you're locked, so you have to approve who follows you. Okay. Which, which did uh, I do that? I yeah. set that up. Yeah, All you right, set that up on. so it's private, but you haven't tweeted anything for anybody to see anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Now, but you can follow at MSU underscore Rec Sports, I believe it is, um, to stay up to date with everything that you do. I'm sure somebody in your office or in your department is is handling that. Jody Strength, we have a whole marketing right, there you go. section. Jody is marketing for now, our department. Let's see if she can tweet out the link to this podcast when it comes out to have your assistant director of That's Club Sports. That's a great idea. Yeah, and get some people interested and and to hear a little bit more about what goes on. And, you know, I feel like we could talk for another two or three hours about this stuff because there's probably so much more that <laughs> um, the listeners could know, I could know, especially dealing with, with clubs on a regular basis. So I'd love to have you on the show again. I want to ask, you're a swimmer. No, you, you are a diver. I'm a terrible swimmer. You're a diver. <laughs> you have to swim. No, I was a diver. Yeah. You were a diver, but you had to swim to get out of the pool. I did. I'm really good yeah. at the doggy paddle yeah, from okay. the middle of the deep end. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I'm a decent swimmer. So you're a diver, aquatic type sports. Did you do anything else? Were you? You said you don't know the rules of football or anything. I try. Yeah. I try. I do think I've never been diagnosed. I'm probably a little ADHD. Right. <laughs> but did um, you play any other sports growing up that kind of led? To the interest in kinesiology or physical education or anything? I was a dancer. So my mom had me in tap shoes and ballet shoes from the time that I was three years old. And I grew up in Bay City. It's on the bay. Like, there, there are beaches. And they're not, they used to be sandy. And then we had a problem. And we brought in a bunch of mussels to clean it up. And mm-hmm. now there's shells and it's hard to walk on. But when I was growing up, I could go to the beach. And I would do back handsprings in the deep end. And I would work my way to the shallow end. And that was how I taught myself how to do back handsprings. I had a grandpa who used to call, my nickname was Didi, and he used to call me Didi Cartwheel because I literally spent my childhood upside down. I was always walking on my hands. I was hanging upside down. I loved being, I loved being in constant motion. I, I, yeah, so I, I just grew, I've just always been that way. 
on my 28th birthday, I came home. I was in California, and we flew back, and I was in my mother's little front yard, and I did round off, back cancer, back cancer, back cancer, and back tuck. And then I, when I went back to Los Angeles, I was talking to this guy that had been trying to help me work through some of my back and neck issues. And when I told him what I did, he basically looked at me and said, what were you thinking? Don't ever do that again. <laughs> so all my fun ended my 28th birthday. Okay. I don't do any of that stuff Diving, anymore. you think diving and gymnastics going, because you're doing, and dance, you're doing these crazy things in the air on the way down, like spinning, flipping. You have to be agile and somewhat flexible to, to do that stuff. It's helpful to be flexible. Right. But team sports not wasn't really your thing. Not really. I never really felt like I was a part of a team. Actually, I had a really negative team experience in basketball, like in junior high. And that all, that's all it took for me was one bad experience. And I didn't want to be involved in a team. Do you want to talk again. about what happened? No, I won't go into the details. Yeah. But I really think it's important. I inherited, when my mentor Sally Baloli retired, I inherited a program that she had started called Girls Get Going. And the goal is to bring third to eighth grade girls together and give them a positive sports experience. And it's just this beautiful thing. We give them five different sport options. So it happened in April. They got an, all these girls, and we bring in 150 girls. They had a chance to do volleyball, taekwondo, Zumba was new this year, flag football, and basketball. And 30-minute chunks, each of the sports, it's a morning clinic, and it had. It, it, I just wish that I had had, you know, somebody something like that that was positive. When I became an aquatics director, I had this awesome team of lifeguards, and it was the first time I felt like, wow, like I'm a part of a team. I'm the leader of a team. How cool is that? Like I never knew what it was like, and I wish that I had had those experiences. But right, yeah. I mean, I think that my negative experience was really stupid too. But basically, okay, I'll tell you. So. I had a dance recital, and I went to a basketball game, and it was just supposed to be a little... I, I was only supposed to be at the basketball game for a little bit, and then I was going to have to leave. So my coach put me in, and I think I was a point guard. And it's a joke, because I cannot play basketball to save my life to this day. I'm not very good, but I could run with the ball and dribble. <laughs> I couldn't shoot to save my life. But she put me in, and the game, I don't know if it was just a really fast game, but I ended up playing the entire game. I didn't have to leave early. And when I went to school the next day, a bunch of girls on the team had, they like made me crowns that, like crowns, and they were like bowing down to me and treating me like very sarcastically as if I was somehow better than them, which the whole thing is so silly because I wasn't a good basketball player anyway. And it was a big, like, who knew that I was going to be in the game the whole day? And why would they act that way? I don't know. But I remember thinking, this is really lame. Like, why would I subject myself to being on a team of people that are going to act like that when something stupid that was completely out of my control happened? So that was my one negative. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was, sort of did it for me. It seemed like dumb. they were salty that you got to play the whole game. Probably. Yeah. And probably because I wasn't very good. Right. <laughs> so they were like, I'm so much better than her. Why did she get to play the whole... I, I don't really know. And, you know, like... It was a junior high team for crying out loud. Like it's supposed to, so anyways. Yeah. That was my that was my negative team experience. So to wrap up the show, hopefully this being part one, I'd love to keep in touch with you and have you back on and Thank talk you. more about this stuff. Were you a fan of Michigan State? You went to school here. I'm interested to hear what your favorite Michigan State sports moment was. You know, I that's a hard one for me because I think about my time on the pool deck. I had so many great practices. I laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. I, I had a great team, and it was just, I had so much fun. But then I was thinking about, like, traditional MSU. I remember the year 2000, I watched the basketball team win, like, this national championship. And I was with two of my girlfriends, like the, two of my best friends at the time, and that was magical. We had so much fun watching that basketball game. So it's kind of a toss-up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you can have both of those. Thank those you. Things, for sure. <laughs> you, weirdly, nobody has brought up that as their favorite sports moment. And I think it's because, you know. They're too young. Yeah, they're too I talked about me being older. Like, these kids these days don't <laughs> understand. Because I remember that. I was 
about 10 years old and I was grew up a Michigan State fan so that was that was big and I think another thing is the tide has turned a little bit uh, I hate to say it I think Michigan State's a football school now right um, with the Rose Bowl that that gets brought up every show. People are excited about that, especially the you know current students probably just got off it and still on the high from going to Pasadena or watching it with their friends. But mm-hmm. now, when you talk about your favorite moments as a diver, as an athlete here, what what are those like? Do you have any specific like a specific meet or practice or anything like that? I don't, I don't, and this can be a conversation for another day. But I had this, I. The, I was never a great diver. I was very. Me- I was an average Big Ten diver. I lettered the years that I competed, but the thing that got me here was not my skill. It was my work ethic, my attitude, and my. I was not afraid of anything. I would do anything. I'd be at a seven a.m. practice, and my coach would have me throw back two and a half, and I would land flat on my back three times in a row. But I would do it as if he asked me to. But towards the end of my diving career, I sort of turned into a head case. It was really sad. I just, I would stand on the board and I would picture myself hitting the board and I would think, I'm going to die. And that, and it's really hard to do a really good dive when you're thinking, I'm going to kill myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, I unraveled at the end. It was really sad. But I will never forget, like, just that great feeling of being a part of that team. And I had another year of eligibility when I, but I was done. Like, in my fifth year, I could have dove. But I couldn't, mm-hmm. and it worked out really well. I ended up launching a career that has led me places. But I actually had an opportunity to speak to some high school girls through the Michigan High School Athletic Association's Women in Sports. They had a leadership conference earlier this month, and I that's what I, or I'm sorry, earlier this year, and I talked about all of that, about my experiences, and I really believe that my whole life has been led not by any particular talent, but by I have a positive attitude and I'm not afraid of hard work, I'm not afraid of change, and I'm willing to try new things. And that can go a long way, mm. and that'll take you places. So it was really neat having a chance to speak with these high school sports leaders and kind of share that with them. Because at the end of the day, like, I'm not a diver. I, I, I dove at the alumni meet last year, and the coach, Eric Best, he looked at one of my old teammates, and he was like, Amy, it was great to see you. And then he looked at me, and he said, yeah, I don't really want to claim you as my <laughs> But it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> but um. But yeah. So I don't. I can't think of one shining moment. The whole experience from start to finish was a, an amazing experience. Even in the end, when it was just bad, I still am so grateful for that because it shaped me into the person that I am. You know. Yeah. And just the opportunity to be a part of the team and to right. to have that that as your thing that you did here at Michigan State. Again, you you had all these other things that I'm sure you were doing. You could have probably done more, though, with your academics and your job and your uh, sport. But you you had the opportunity to be a a varsity athlete and, and do right. that, which is great. Which is a really big privilege. You may have been sure. the first uh, varsity athlete to be on the show. We've had all the club sports on, but oh. uh, so you get that. Uh, and first faculty member also that's awesome so, there you go yay staff yeah yeah staff, staff yeah close enough same thing <laughs> thank you, you they made you get a, you had a master's degree so right like exactly thank you <laughs> so i want to ask last thing secret society you you said and before the show started you weren't sure what you're gonna say uh do you have a secret for the listeners yeah i'm an open book i really don't have any secrets but i was thinking about it and i thought you know I wish, and I'm too old now, apparently, I wish that I would have done, like, bright red hair. And bright, like, I see all these young girls walking around with all this colored, colorful hair, and I think, oh, I wish I could have done that, but it's too late for me. You think so? So that's my, yeah, I do. I don't know. I'll be 40 next year. I, I, you cannot be my age and dye your hair, apparently. Now, no offense to anybody out there that's done it. You go, girl, because I'm sure you're working it, but I don't think I can. <laughs> that's interesting. I'm stuck with highlights. I you think. used to be blonde? Did you used to be blonde? You know what? I probably was. I think in the picture of your social media <laughs> class when you had Twitter, you were blonde, but I'm not positive. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably have done blonde highlights. But when and I had growing up, I had a couple of neighbors that did hair, so they would practice on me. So I had some high school pictures when mm-hmm. my hair was blonde, but we never added color to it. I've done red highlights in my 30s, and that's fun. But those are highlights. Like, I just want to straight up go 
all bold in one color, but I'm probably never going to Never do say it. never. You may right? have a midlife crisis someday <laughs> where you start wearing a purple wig or something. The neat thing is I would be completely accepted in my job. Like I yeah. wouldn't have to worry about getting fired if I went through that. And my husband, he would love me regardless of how good or bad he thought my hair looked. So I, you know what? Maybe if I do, I'll let you know. Okay. We'll, <laughs> I'll, we'll I'll keep tweet track. it. Yeah, there you go. That could be your first tweet. Just dyed my hair red. Yay. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Angela Michael, Assistant Director of Michigan State University Rec Sports, Overseas Club Sports. She came on Secret Society, told us all about it. And uh, again, thanks so much. I look forward to having you on the show again. Thank you. Me too. Oh, you fancy, huh? Oh, you fancy, huh? You, oh, you fancy, huh? Oh, you fancy, huh? Nail done, hair done, everything uh, did. Nail done, hair done, everything did. Oh, you fancy, huh? You're getting ready, so I know we gonna be here a while. In the bathroom, flat irons and nail files Spending hours in salons on your hairstyle And in the mall, steady racking up the air miles Hit the gym, step on the scale, stare at the number You say you dropping 10 pounds, preparing for summer And you don't do it for the man, man never notice you Secret Society Secret Society, Secret Society. Hey, get hyped now Yeah! Give me my powers back